You are listening to Fantasy Film Ball with Matt and Dylan, and on this show, we turn movies into sports and look at all the Oscar prospects and their fantasy value. I believe that this is going to win Best Picture, and here's why. I mean, Denis Villeneuve got all the nominations he needed for Dune and still missed out on the Best Director slot. Don't let me get my hopes up. The Academy has disappointed me too many times. Thank you to the Academy. Thank you to all of you in this room. I can't remember the last time I walked out of a movie theater on such a high. No matter how certain it seems, anything can happen on nominations morning. Never count the Golden Globes for just doing something off the walls and bonkers. It's the kind of movie that reminds me of why I fell in love with movies. And the Oscar goes to... Welcome back for episode two of Fantasy Film Ball with Matt and Dill. As y'all already know, my name is Dill. And my name is Matt. And on this show, we turn movies into sports. And sports is just something that we don't really talk about. And on this week's other show, we have a lot to go over. A brand new wide release came out this week in Lightyear. There's a lot to discuss there because Disney and Pixar, they usually dominate the best animation category. But I believe this is the year the king goes down. And we will go into that a little bit later in the show. Of course, we're going to review Lightyear. And as always, we have some news and notes from around the movie scene. But Matt had a really good idea how to start the show this week about getting to know each other a little bit more. So yeah. I'll hand it over to him real quick, and he can hop into this first topic that we have on the show today. Well, you know, I, I was kind of thinking, Dill, because last week we were, we were chatting a little bit, and I always think it's kind of interesting with any hobby to, like, find out when someone got into it and what got them into that. And I know, I, like, I know what got me into award season, but last week you mentioned that the first award season you followed was 2016, the year of Moonlight, La La Land. Uh, so one thing I was kind of thinking of, I was thinking back to the first movies that like I stand through award season, the movies that I was like, this has to win. I love this movie. I'm riding with this all the way. So I was curious, what's, what's the first movie that you like ride or die, you wanted it all the way to the end? My movie is definitely one that is is different it's weird it's one that isn't really an oscar movie but that's how you fall in love with the game is you find one movie that doesn't really fit the mold that introduces you so you can see everything else and like we talked about my first year with the awards was 2016 i mean i had watched all the best picture nominees of 2015 but i wasn't invested in the season like i watched a show and i saw the the nominees but 2016 was the first year i was really invested and the movie that became my champion or my hero of the season was one i had no clue about before i even went to see it my mom and I used to always go see movies. I mean, we still do, but especially when I was in high school, that would be one of our uh, things we would do like once a week. And that week, there was a new movie coming out starring Jake Gyllenhaal, and we're both huge fans of Jake Gyllenhaal. And she was like, we should go see this. And I knew nothing about the movie. And I was like, yeah, I'm down. It's Jake Gyllenhaal. It's a new movie. Why not? And that movie was Nocturnal Animals. Um, <laughs> it's, such a, it's such a weird movie to like stand for, but I love it. It is. And I mean, the first five minutes tells you everything you really know, need to know about that movie. I did not know what I was in for, honestly. I mean, when you go see a movie, you get trailers. And normally those trailers sort yeah. of like line up for the movie you see. But the trailers here really didn't prepare you for what you're about to see. I knew Jake Gyllenhaal was in it. What can prepare you for that? Honestly, like, are you going to show can. like a trailer for La La Land and everyone's singing and dancing and then bam, you get like slow motion naked women jumping up, jumping and, up down. and down. Like, so weird. So it, weird. It is a weird movie, but I, one thing, I mean, you may know this, but I know everyone out there may not know this. I'm a sucker for thrillers. Seven is one of my favorite movies of all time. And this movie is essentially a thriller just in a writing or a book fashion, just 
a story within a story. And I ate it all up. I thought Jake Gyllenhaal was great. Amy Adams was great. I really dug Aaron Taylor Johnson this movie. This was the first time I ever saw him. Tom Ford is not a guy you think of when you hear his name for directing, but I thought yeah. he was an amazing director in this movie. And Oh, he crushed I mean, it. He crushed it. And 2016 is a really weird year for me when it comes to like awards because a lot of my favorite movies of all time came from that year just because that was my first year really invested. Like Moonlight, if someone asked me what's my favorite or what's my best movie of all time, Moonlight's my answer. Is it the one I want to watch all the time? Really? Probably not. But it's one of the movies that got me into movies. And it's one of the movies that really just opened my eyes to like what you can do through cinema and like La La Land it's amazing as well and Nocturnal Animals was my movie of the season because it was that little dark horse I mean Moonlight was the underdog that came out on top eventually but it had a narrative Nocturnal Animals no one was talking about it like I remember getting so excited for the Golden Globes because it got in for supporting actor got in for director oh my god I remember that was that was wild yeah the the win of supporting actor was crazy because that was like I remember at the time, I think Aaron Taylor Johnson was ranked like fifth place in that category mm-hmm. um, for, for the Golden Globes. So like no one expected that win. And then he didn't even get nominated. And Michael and, Shannon got yeah. nominated instead, which is to be insane honest, to me. I think Michael Shannon is better, but I wasn't going to really? be mad at Aaron Taylor Johnson what? winning. They're, they're both great. Oh, That's the thing man. about that movie. I think everything in that movie is great. That's one of the movies I can't, I mean, to be fair, I haven't watched that movie in like three years, but I don't think, from what I remember, I don't remember there being any like clear flaws other than I want more. It, it just, it, like it ended and I was like, I want more. I want to get back into this world. I want to see yeah. what Tom Ford has next. And if I remember right, he hasn't directed a movie since then. No, um, no. Have you seen his first movie? I have not. I need to get, you, I need to you check should it watch out. it. It's, it's pretty good. I rewatched it this year. Um, it's called A Single Man. It's got Colin Firth in it. A lot of people think that he should have won the Oscar for it in 2009. Um, which I kind of agree with, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's great in that movie. Uh, and then he lost to Jeff Bridges. And then the following year, yes. Jeff Bridges lost to him at, uh, at the Oscars. That's so, that's, Nocturnal Animals is such an interesting movie because that really did kind of become like an underdog at a, at a certain point. And then it flopped at the Oscars. Yes, like, totally flopped. flopped. That seems to be a trend of movies I seem to champion throughout the season is they do really well and then they flop when the time comes because another movie from 2016 I was a big fan of was Silence by Martin Scorsese. Um, oh my man, hot take that's is, tragic. My hot take is that Scorsese's best movie of all time. I, I know that's blasphemous <laughs> to say, but that's what I personally believe. I just think that's another just flawless movie. Like I said, I have a very soft spot for 2016 movies. I don't know why, but there's a lot from that year. I'm just like, I cherish this. And I think that's Adam Driver's best performance, Andrew Garfield's best performance, Liam Neeson's second best performance, some of Scorsese's best direction, the score, the cinematography, the editing. Yes, it's three hours, but it flies by. So, so what, what movies were you championing last year? What was like your, your movie that you wanted to get in? The movie I wanted to get in last year, of course, I'm going to blink on the spot here. Um, <laughs> last year, I'm just curious because you say that they always flop. So I want to know what it was last year, if that's true. And Honestly, then I need to know so that I can not predict whatever you want to get in this year. Well, for our uh, film ball league, I was a big champion of mass. And as we know, oh, Nass yeah. did not yeah, do a single it. thing. Um, last year, nine days, even though it had weird and el- like eligibility, that was my favorite movie of the year. I knew that wasn't going to get in, That's but for ones that actually year. were in the like discussion, Cyrano was a movie I backed a lot, even though I ultimately didn't love it. It's one I wanted to love. 
And same thing for the right. tragedy of Macbeth as well. It obviously got in for Denzel and production design and, co- and cinematography. But those Cyrano and Macbeth are two movies all season. Before I even saw them, I'm like, I just want these to do well because I like this. And ultimately, right. neither really lived up to expectations. But no, I know no. my blasphemous statement about Scorsese leads that, into that yours. That perfectly leads into mine because, uh, see, no, I wouldn't say it's the best. But so the first, uh, the first award season that I followed was in 2010. Uh, I was like, I think I, uh, I would have been like 12 years old at the time. Uh, no, like 11 years old when I first, because the movie that got me into movies was Inception. Uh, that's the movie that like blew my mind. I wanted to like work in the, I was like a precocious kid. I like read Shakespeare and stuff. And like, I wanted to be in the theater. Um, and I always thought movies were like inferior to the theater and whatever bullshit, you know, I was like a kid who wanted to be smart. Um, and then when I saw Inception, I was like, oh, movies movies don't have to be the way that I think of them because the way I was thinking of movies was like my family would rent shit from Blockbuster uh, and we'd watch like racing stripes or like, you know, (laughs) I don't know why I thought of racing stripes. I just have like a vivid memory of like a zebra running a horse race, but like, that's the kind of thing that I was always thinking of as movies. Um, And so when I saw Inception, I just remember um, crying in like the back row of the movie theater and being like, I want to do this. This is, you know, I love this. Um, and so I followed a little bit the 2010 season, but, you know, I, uh, I didn't really champion any of the films because I knew that even though Inception was nominated, I knew it wasn't winning. Um, but the next year, 2011, that was the year when the entire year long, I was going to see all the awards movies. Uh, I was getting excited about the awards. I was thinking what could get nominated. And the movie that I championed the entire way through the season was Martin Scorsese's Hugo. Uh, Hugo, which I've got right there. On, on Blu-ray right here. Hugo, baby, right there. Um, and that's a movie that, you know, I controversially, I, I don't think it's his best movie. I think it's his second best movie. Taxi Driver is my favorite. But Hugo uh, is one that I think is just absolutely magical. I mean, it is a kid's movie, but it's made with such love and made with such care. Uh, and it really just, you know, it was a movie that he made out of love. He wanted to share one of his movies with his daughter, uh, Francesca, who's now like, you know, grown ass adult making movies of her own. Um, but he wanted to share his love of movies with her and she was never able to watch his movies because they were always violent. So he made a, a movie that could be accessible to kids, but it's not a kid's movie. You know, it's a movie about silent film. It's a movie about Georges Méliès. It's a movie about um, the love of silent film and what film means to the world. It's so good. It's so good, man. And like, that was a movie that I remember the day of the Oscars, I think I was like, I think I was on a ski trip with my family. And I remember there's this video of me where we were talking about like, you know, what could make the day even we're on the ski lift. And I'm like, you know, all I want from today is for Hugo to win best picture. And then it didn't, but it won five other Oscars. So, you know, who wins here? Uh, But, you know, Hugo was the movie that I was I was championing through that but you know I I continued to be like a a weird kid about movies I think I was was in the eighth grade at the time and I remember on the last day of school uh because I was like the movie kid um I they were like let's watch a movie and so I was like I brought in my copy of The Artist (laughs) to to show my grade eight classmates because I was like this is this is art you got to watch The Artist with me 
And I remember I got so upset because my classmates weren't paying attention to the movie and one of them wanted to shut it off because she was bored. And I remember getting so like annoyed. I was like, how are they not liking this movie? It's hilarious. It's fun. <laughs> I mean, it's in the name. It's art. <laughs> it's, it's the art. I was like, this is entertainment. I could have brought the tree of life. You guys got um, off easy. Exactly. It, it can always be worse. That's how I always felt in school. Because my school would be like, let's watch uh, Remember the Titans or let's watch this movie or that movie, like the generic movies. And I'm like, these are cool. I guess I can't complain because it could be worse. Yeah, it could have been. You could have had some fucking artsy ass classmate bring in the artist and be like, we're all going to watch a silent movie. Let's sit down on the last day of school and we're all going to we're all going to appreciate a silent film. Well, funny enough, my favorite <laughs> story of ever watching a movie in school, I have two of them. The first one is we watched The Room. and um, The Room or Room? Uh, the Room with Tommy Wiseau. Okay, Tommy My Wiseau. freshman year of college, it was um, the teacher had <laughs> papers to grade, and he was like, hey, guys, I can't teach today. Um, I have some stuff to grade, so we're going to watch this, and if you stay, you get a 100 quiz grade. Oh, he was deliberately fucking with you guys. But deliberately, me, he, he didn't I have any. Love the room, so I got to enjoy uh, Tommy Wiseau with his little doggy and the the velvet red roses. A lot yeah. of people left after that, but I stayed through. I stuck it out. And the other one, That's... which kind of relates to what we'll talk about next week, it was ninth grade English. My first movie I ever saw by this director was Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. And nice. Right. That movie really really spoke to me. I really liked it. I really just like how bombastic and how it goes for it. And that's stuff that we'll talk about later, obviously. But that's a good class movie. But is. also on the topic of The Room, uh, just a little bit of fantasy film ball origins here. Uh, the original fantasy film ball crew that, you know, we started the game with and everything, uh, we all met because we were all in line at TIFF to see the premiere of The Disaster Artist. Nice. So, yeah, that was a wild screening, man. Tommy Wiseau took over the Q and A, <laughs> like hijacked it. It was <laughs> as, as Tommy does, weird. as Tommy does. But it was weird. we talk about Scorsese movies that we really like and a movie that really likes to interpret Scorsese was Joker. And we have some mm -hmm. Joker 2 news. And well, I talked we about, talked about Joker last 2 week. last week, right? Yeah. And I was like, there's rumors that Lady Gaga may be in this. So like, this could be interesting, but now there's more rumors with Lady oh. Gaga. Oh, is it ever interesting? <laughs> Cause I know last sing? week I was like, this is, this doesn't sound like, you know, I went on like a rant last week. We don't need this movie. This is, why are, why are we making another one? It was so good standalone. <laughs> oh, 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 I'm excited. I am too. I, I know I was already excited for it because I, there's not many movies I'm like, I just don't need this. And I mean, I guess that's another topic that we'll hit on a little bit later about not needing or not wanting a movie. But I wanted Joker too. And with that news of it being a musical and it has Lady Gaga, I really want Joker too. I like whatever year that ends up coming out. That's immediately yeah. my number one anticipate for the year. What? Well, see, here's here's the thing. I think that our reaction is going to be a lot different. What something I saw online is that uh, someone said everyone who really wanted a Joker two is pissed off right now, and everyone who didn't want a Joker two is really excited. Now, obviously, you're a little bit different because you did want a Joker two, mm -hmm. and you're still excited. But I think it's because you and I share something here which is that we both love movie musicals way more than anyone else yes, does. Yes, Way more. Like, no one else. Not no one else, but, like, more than the average person. Like, so the news of it being a musical with Lady Gaga is, like, 
for both of us, I think the ideal thing to hear. Um, but oh, it's just so exciting. Oh, it it's exciting. so exciting. And one thing that I really get excited about are trailers and movie musical. We had a movie musical trailer this week with Matilda. Uh, You're killing with the about that? Matilda, you know, I, I, I've seen the show on Broadway um, way back when, and I liked it. I, I really do like the show. I think the music's great. I think it has some amazing tunes. Um, I think it's clear that Netflix is positioning this to be their prom of this year. Um, you know, and that's how I feel about its awards chances. Golden Globes, that's it. Um, when I watched the trailer, I was like, yeah, it looks like it works as, as a movie, but I'm, I'm just, it's not exciting me. You know, it looks, it looks like a kid's movie and it is, and that's fine. Um, but it just doesn't excite me for Oscars. Um, but not that Matilda ever would excite me for Oscars. Yeah, no, definitely. I, what about I feel you? the same as you. Um, I don't have much of a history with Matilda. Like I know the gist of the story and whatnot, but I've never seen like a full production or I've never seen a full movie or TV show on the topic. Yeah. Um, but I had the same thoughts about the trailer was, it seems cool. It seems fun, lighthearted. Does it do anything? Not really. Like obviously the Globes, because musicals usually get in unless they're horrible or, um, and even still when they're horrible, they can still win. Um, yeah. And- or debatably horrible as, as we'll eventually touch on. Yes. They, they uh, don't get in when they're, you know. <laughs> yes. And then, um, but yeah, so I'll be interested to see how it goes. That's one that I will probably sway away from in any predictions or any drafting yeah. for this year. But it's one that can get you a little points if you're doing a league at the end of the year or making a yeah, ballot you know, for the Globes. You can, you, can, you can hit big if you get those odds early from Gold Derby. But It definitely that, dropped down a little bit for me, but, you know, I'm, I'm still excited for it. Yeah, and something I hope that you're also for, because I know I'm really for, is another Netflix movie. We got Blonde trailer finally after like two years of hearing about this movie that it's done. Which it's you were saying like you're you're really high on this one. You think that this one's going to be big. This is a movie I think is going to be positioned like Cyrano and Macbeth for me, where right. I may not like this. I may think this is really bad, but I'm still going to like applaud it. And I'm still going to be like, yes, I want more stuff like this. Because Tragedy Macbeth, while I was not a huge fan, I didn't oh, I was. It. I loved that movie, man. Like, my, I think my issue with Tragedy Macbeth was Macbeth's like my favorite play of all time. Yeah. I, I don't, I never really did theater, but when I did, I was in Macbeth multiple times. So like, it's something I'm very like, I care about and I love every stylistic choice about it. I yeah. just didn't like it overall, I guess. I don't Interesting. know. It's a, that's a topic for another day because I'm sure that the, Tragedy Macbeth will come back up. And Steve knows the same thing. I really want more movie musicals. I want different movie musicals where it's not just the generic, like, oh, let's revive a huge play or let's bring in huge stars. Like, let's get people who have musical backgrounds with Haley Bennett or um, let's bring in a different style and not a huge name property and like turning like a play from Cyrano de Bergerac into just a musical. Did it really work for me? No, but I still am happy that exists. And that's how I think about Blonde too. Obviously, I haven't seen the movie, but all the reports are saying this movie, you'll either love it or hate it. So yeah. I could be in either category. So I know there's that chance ahead of time, but the fact that they're going for NC 17, they're going for a not like, let's just show this person, this famous celebrity as, Oh, they're amazing. They didn't do anything wrong in their life. They didn't have any troubles. They just strictly were good or strictly had a perfect life. Those type of uh, biopics and this biopic won't be that. And I'm excited for that. Yeah. I mean, I think the way I feel about it, this is going to be, a movie, which did you hear that it's two hours and 45 minutes? I did, which usually, <laughs> which 
a few years ago scared me, still scares me, but there's two hours and 40 minute movies that I really like. So I can't knock it until I try it. But if I'm in there, it's like an hour or so in, I'm like, okay, can this like wrap up like Jurassic World last week? I was down for the two and a half hour ride, but about an hour and a half in, I'm like, all right, can this be done? And I hope that it's not yeah. the case for Blonde as well. I don't think that is going to be the case for Blonde. I think Blonde, no matter how we feel about it, it's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess my thoughts on it are, I don't think it has a chance in hell of like sniffing an Oscar nomination anywhere. Um, I think it's going to be way too divisive and I think it's going to make some people very upset. Um, I think that the, the reception that it's going to get, so Andrew Dominic, the directors talked a lot about how he believes that this is one of the best movies ever made, which, you know, <laughs> big words coming from the director of the movie, but at the same time, something to it. I think that this is incredibly ambitious. Um, I think that it's going to maybe even deliver on that, but I think that it's going to be polarizing. Mm-hmm. Um, I predict like a 60 on Metacritic, if like high 50s, low 60s. You know, I'm predicting a yellow. Yeah, I, I'd say like, let's, let's say it's a 57, but I also expect it to land on a lot of critics end of years lists. Um, but I, what I'm expecting is critics to be at 100 or zero. I think it's going yeah. to deeply offend some people. I think it's going to uh, gross some people out. And I think in the industry, there's going to be a lot of people who are upset that they were promised a Marilyn Monroe bi- biopic and they got a, a twisted dark horror movie um, that has nothing to do with Marilyn Monroe's life. Uh, people are going to be pissed at that. Um, it's not even like with Spencer. Spencer was like a Diana biopic. It totally did all the things that you'd expect from a, a Diana biopic, but it was it was totally different than what people expected. And that still pushed people away. So what's going to happen when we have a movie that's literally nothing to do with the life of Marilyn Monroe, but it's using Marilyn Monroe as the main character and putting her through all sorts of violence and horror. Um, I don't think people are going to like it. I think there's going to be some people that are going to call it a masterpiece. Um, I think it's going to get a spot in the Criterion Collection. I think it's going to be remembered as a film that like, hey, why, why didn't that get more Oscar love? And I think it's going to be just because people aren't ready for it. Um, but it's, uh, if I were to compare this to another film, it's I'm thinking of ending things, mm-hmm. right? That also had uh, um, like early September release date. This is a late September. This is September 23rd, um, but it's the same breed of movie. You know, it's a movie that Netflix has. They don't know what to do with it. Um, it doesn't seem like Netflix is even releasing it in theaters because normally at the end of their trailers, they say in select theaters on this day and in on Netflix on this day, and it just says September 23rd. So I think that, I think it's just DOA. I, I definitely can see that. I, I'm still a little bit more hopeful for the, I think it's max, like it's like it's absolute ceiling is Spencer, where you have actress, you have costumes, or I guess possible costumes and possible hair and makeup, and then but you hit all the critic circles. I just yeah. think, I, I just don't know, will it break in? But similar to Kristen Stewart, Ana Diarmas is in that point in her career where it's time where she probably could get recognized. But like you said, NC-17 automatically, which is probably the reason why it won't show in theaters. And yeah. then uh, it will just turn it a totally, lot of people. That's what it, that murdered blue is the warmest color in 2013. That's the last time that I can remember um, an NC-17 awards contender is blue is the warmest color. Not mm-hmm. dead. Um, but, you know, uh, I, I'm really interested. I think also her voice might kill her a little bit on this. Because a lot of the reason why I think Kristen Stewart could break through, um, despite 
you know, all the weirdness of Spencer is because she nailed Diana's voice and the impression was really good. And I don't think Anna Diarmas is even trying for an impression of Marilyn, which she shouldn't have to, you know, it's mm -hmm. her interpretation of the character. But I think that um, I, I can see her performance getting some love from critics, but I don't think it's going to be awards because I think like everything else in the movie, it's saying it's Marilyn Monroe, but it's not Marilyn Monroe. Definitely. Um, and Oh, you yeah, ahead, but sorry. speaking of but speaking of Netflix, uh, I mean, we've got a lot of Netflix news this week, including. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah, I was. I you gotta let you gotta let me do a segue once in a while. Yes, yes. I, got, I, I gotta yes. I gotta jump Little in. Trade and, off here, diamond dome. So here here we go here we go more Netflix news because uh, for some reason Netflix decided to just give us all the news this week. We got some promotional photos. For Pinocchio, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, not the Robert Zemeckis one, not the one with Polly Shore going, father, when can I be on my own? I got the whole world to see. Uh, no, the real Pinocchio. We got Guillermo del Toro in the house with his Pinocchio. And Dylan, how, how are you feeling about these promo photos? These promo photos only further solidified my point that we will get into after a review of Lightyear. Why I don't think Disney and Pixar is going to win Best Animation this year is Netflix has multiple contenders led by Pinocchio. I mean, Apple even has contenders too, but this Pinocchio movie, we clearly see that Del Toro has love in the industry. He got in for Nightmare Alley when everyone yeah. thought Nightmare Alley was dead, long gone. And he brought it back for, I think he got four total nominations, including pictures. So people clearly love Del Toro. People clearly love Netflix because it's the easiest place to see all these nominees. And it's Pinocchio. Everyone knows the story of Pinocchio. Even, like you said, the Polly Shore one, like people didn't know people, people watch that like people wouldn't care about that movie unless it was pinocchio so they're yeah. they're in the pinocchio i think the, the toughest thing for this movie to overcome though will be how many pinocchio stuff is coming out because it could tainter the brand the uh, the name everything like that or it could help elevate to show how good this adaptation could be and yeah um, no, I've yeah. got a theory i think that uh, disney's releasing their pinocchio this year cuz they want to hurt netflix because um, they think that they can they can build theirs as this is the real Pinocchio. Remember, this is the Pinocchio you know. This is classic Pinocchio. Over there, Netflix is doing some weird shit with Pinocchio. Come back to mm -hmm. Disney. We're doing comfort Pinocchio. I mean, this is the year for, I guess, Pinocchio and the year for Tom Hanks doing just crazy things with crazy his fashion choices. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, you, you said everything, but I think that the thing for me that got me excited about these photos is this, this is the first time, you know, I, I knew that the movie was going to be good. We had a teaser that was like, yeah, this looks great. This is the first time we've seen the character design of Pinocchio. And he does not look like a little wooden boy. He looks like a little like spirit, like forest elf thing. Like he's a, he's a little monster. It's so interesting. It's like just cool choices. And speaking of choices, stealing back the segues here, what do you think of the title for yeah. Knives Out 2? Ooh, Knives Out 2, Glass Onion. I love it. I love it. Well, because Knives Out is, um, is a lyric from a, a Radiohead song, mm -hmm. you know? So that's, it's take, I think it's Radiohead. I might sound stupid doing that. I, I don't want to fact check myself right now. I think it's Radiohead. And Glass Onion is, of course, a song from the Beatles' White Album. Um, and the whole purpose of that song is that um, the idea of Glass Onion is that fans were looking at a lot of the Beatles songs, like I'm the walrus, like, you know, if you play it backwards, it says, Paul is dead, Paul is dead. Um, and Glass Onion was basically the Beatles saying, you think that there's layers there. It sure looks like there's layers there. 
but if you peel it back, you can't peel it back because there's no layers. It's just glass. It's glass. Um, and so I think it's really an interesting title because it speaks to me as a mystery that seems like it has a lot of layers, but it's really, you can see right through it. Mm -hmm. I mean, Knives Out 2, I love Knives Out 1. The yeah. cast, amazing. Daniel Craig, I mean, in my personal nominations, I remember when we had all the, like, the Reddit postings where you could like, put, put your nominations at the bottom. I had Daniel Craig in there for supporting actor. Everyone's like, no, he's lead, he's lead. I was like, okay, if he's lead, doesn't matter. He's still in my five. That's how good it is. And yeah. a arguably lead supporting, like, he just killed it. He, he owns that character. And I just can't wait to see what he brings to another installment. I'm curious if they're going to go with the idea, because I know that Ryan Johnson has talked about, some people were tossing around, I think it would be, people were saying like, oh, wouldn't it be hilarious if Daniel Craig in every movie showed up and he had a different accent, and Ryan Johnson responded, and he was like, yeah, this is actually something we've been talking about. That um, would be great. I, I would love it if he, because, and, and that's something Ryan Johnson was saying in the press release around, you know, releasing the title, is that something he loves about the Agatha Christie uh, books is that it's not just a murder mystery in a different setting. It's that every book has a different genre. You know, it's not just murder mystery, murder mystery, murder mystery. It's always murder mystery in the shell of another genre. And she was really experimenting with how she told these stories. They weren't just the same thing every time. Um, and so he's saying that he wants to take that and put that on the Benoit Blanc films. Um, and so I'm really interested to see what the angle is for this one. Because it's not going to be Knives Out too. It's going to be a, it's going to be an entirely new uh, style. It's going to be a new story. It's going to be everything's different, and I think that's fascinating. I fully agree. Knives Out, Glass Onion is at the top of my I guess Netflix anticipated list for the year. They have so much stuff that comes list. out every year, and big I think list. this this is this is even above Blonde. This is above Rustin. This is above everything that they have coming out this year. This is going to be my because every year that's there's like one yeah. there's like one Netflix movie that Yes, Pinocchio. Or I mean, Pinocchio. I, Pinocchio. I think I would have uh, Knives Out ahead for me at least. Really, um, Pinocchio is my number one. You know, I'm I'm riding for Del Toro all the way. But like every year, they Netflix always has like a lot of movies. But there's always one that it seems like people clamor to is like this is my favorite Netflix movie of the year because even like last year, like Power of the Dog was like the big movie, but it wasn't everyone's favorite movie from Netflix. And then I think that's gonna continue into this year. Yeah. Absolutely. And well, we're, we're talking about anticipated movies. And uh, you, you just told me before we started recording that this has been one of your most anticipated movies of the year. I think it's time that we move into our featured topic of the week, which is, of course, the release of Pixar's Lightyear, the, uh, the Buzz Lightyear spinoff movie. Uh, so let's talk about it. This has been one that you've been looking forward to for a while, right, Del? It has been. Usually every year for me and whatever the Pixar release is, is usually in my top 10 most anticipated films, but because I grew up with Toy Story, I mean, the first one came out the year I was born and so on and so forth. I'm basically Andy. I'm growing up with these toys, with these movies, and I've always had a soft spot for them. Toy Story 4 wasn't really my favorite, but it was still good. So I was still really anticipating this movie, and I didn't really know what angle they were going for. Like, obviously, you could kind of guess what the actual angle or the, like, the story was supposed to be, but you didn't know because it wasn't in any of the promotion. Like, you didn't know if this was, like, a real person, if this was a movie, if this was a TV show or whatever it was. And then you get into it, and the first five, 20 seconds of the movie tells you what this movie is. And yeah. I wish – and I guess that's one of my, like, criticisms for this movie would be. Is I wish it wasn't just a black screen saying – this is the movie that Andy saw to inspire getting the toy, like to make him fall in love. I wish it would have been a scene of Andy and his mom walking into the movie and then 
it starts with them and then like the camera slowly zooms in behind them to the, to the movie screen and the movie screen ends up larging out and then you're actually watching the movie with Andy yeah. sort of thing. Here's, here's the thing. I didn't buy that that was the movie that inspired like the love of that toy. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't buy it, especially, and here's the thing. I, I, I call bullshit. I call bullshit that Socks is a character that existed in 1995 and they didn't own goddamn like figures of that cast. Yes. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. You're telling me that two little children did not own merchandise for the funniest goddamn cat in movies? You're telling me, I don't buy it. I, I don't, don't buy, it buy it. This is not the movie that they watched. They would have socks stuff. Exactly. Socks over buzz. Not a chance. I, all, all throughout the promo, I won't lie. I thought socks was annoying in all the, all the trailers. I was like, I'm dreading another like sidekick animal character that's only use is for comedy. But after watching the movie, Socks saved this movie for me. I, jumping ahead a little bit, I give this movie like a strong six, a light seven. But without yeah. Socks, this movie is like a four or a five. Socks Really? Okay, I felt much better about it than you. Um, yeah, for me, I, I felt just, it, it was like a decent seven for me. Like I had a good time. It wasn't anything special. I mean, so on my wall back here, you can see I'm a huge Pixar fan. Back mm -hmm. here, I've got these frames, which are literally like the circle is every single frame of wow. uh, different Pixar movies. Like for me, Pixar is the pinnacle of storytelling. That's like, I think that no one does story better than Pixar um, and maybe no one ever will. Uh, in Pixar's like original run, they like every single script is just pitch perfect for, um, for how to tell a story. And that was what bugged me about Lightyear a little bit. Like, again, I didn't dislike the movie. It was a seven out of 10 for me. It was a decent movie, but to go from how groundbreaking they have been in the past with telling stories to this. It was just like, you know, for one thing, something I love about Pixar is that the theme that you think they're going for at the beginning is not where we end up, right? Like in Up, you know, we think that the, the movie is about loss and, and we think at the beginning that it's about um, fulfilling your dreams when really, you know, the, the movie isn't about how adventure is out there because that's what they're telling us all along. Adventure is out there, adventure is out there. But really, at the end, adventure is in here, right? Or in Finding Nemo, it really switches it around. He doesn't need to find his kid. He needs to, he needs to realize that he needs to let his kid go and explore the world. And for Lightyear, the thing that disappointed me is that at the beginning, we know that Buzz needs to learn how to be a part of a team because he can't be part of a team. And at the end, what does he learn? He learns how to be part of a team. And there's no growth. You know, there is growth because he learns to be part of a team, but there's no growth in the actual theme of the story. Like, it's the same thing the entire way through. Yeah. And that's never been a case in their past movies. It always grows. And that's what disappointed me. It felt too narratively simple. Mm -hmm. No, I definitely feel that. I would really compare this movie to Onward, which, funny enough, it either had the same director, the same writer. I forgot which one. One of the two. Same, Yeah, same writer, I think. Or, or the writer of this was like, or the director of this was the writer of Onward or something, yeah, but I, something I know that like there's that, shared. They had like the same feeling to me. Like what you were saying, there's, it's, it's fun while you watch it, but as soon as it's over, there's nothing to make you think about it more. There's nothing to like draw yeah. you back in. I thought Buzz was very unlikable in this movie. I yeah. did not, I never felt connected to him. Even when he, once he learned to work with a team throughout the whole movie, I was like, I want to see everyone that's not Buzz do more. Like Alicia, I thought that was great. And then obviously because of the, the year difference, she eventually goes out. Socks is there, but there's only so much you can do with Socks. And then- I, I will I say the, the whole sequence with Alicia 
I thought that was the high point of the movie for me. Mm -hmm. It did really move me. Um, and I thought that it didn't reach the heights of some of Pixar's other emotional moments in the past, but it, it felt like it was Pixar. You know, I felt yeah. Pixar there. I didn't really feel Pixar through, through a lot of the film though. Yeah, like you, I also thought like Alicia was on the highlight socks, obviously. The reason why I said my comment early about socks really elevating the movie is because every humor that wasn't him, I thought was horrible. Taika Waititi is someone I really like, but almost every line he had in this movie made me cringe so hard, maybe want to like turn away and be like, what are we like what are we watching here like obviously you're getting a paycheck but i don't know do something a little bit more creative a little bit more fun it was interesting because never have i thought that in a pixar movie the action would be more satisfying than the humor mm -hmm. um but that's totally how i felt i think that the visuals were great i think the action was great um but the humor didn't land for me and the story didn't land for me really i think it was a visual marvel but it just, it just oh, you know it didn't it didn't pull for me with uh with the rest of it I agree. Like the animation, brilliant. It's some of the best animation I think Pixar's ever had. The space sequences, like when someone is out in space when they're not actually like in a ship or on a planet was breathtaking. Um, and like you were saying, the whole sequence of the trial and error with like the fuel, I thought was the complete highlight of the movie. Uh, the Absolutely. whole movie had more of that or not even just those sequences or just that energy that it was brought there. I would have liked this movie a lot more, but the third act, really lost me there's a reveal i don't want to get into but yeah we won't really spoil didn't work for me um that really didn't work and everything with that was very the opposite of where i wanted it to go but overall i had a fun time there's just a lot more i wanted from it which it didn't deliver it gave teases yeah and it had all the groundwork to be so much better but and this isn't even like a whole like tim allen should be Bruce, uh, not Bruce, uh, Buzz Lightyear. It was just Chris Bruce Evans. Lightyear. Yes, his, Bruce Lightyear. His brother. <laughs> but like Chris Evans didn't really like bring anything for me. And I think that was part of the reason too. Buzz just felt like the most generic plain character ever. And there was nothing that made this character the Buzz that we knew. Yeah. And there was nothing that made this character like drawn into this character. You were drawn into this character's friends, but you weren't drawn into the character that you're supposed to be following the whole time. Yeah, so now uh, let's let's talk a little bit about Buzz, uh, but not Buzz Lightyear. Let's talk about Oscar Buzz. Yes, so, yes. There we go. There we go. Wow. I got Transition one. King. I stole one from you. Um, but, you know, this has been one where I think through the entire year, even despite the, like, mediocre reviews, it has a 59 on Metacritic. Uh, despite all of that, I still think through the year, people are going to keep saying that this is the front runner for Best Animation. Mm -hmm. um, it has been the one that people have been saying is the front runner because usually Pixar is the king of this category, uh, which we are going to get into a little bit more later. Um, but what are you feeling about the Oscar prospects? Are you still feeling like this is the front runner or, you know, what, what are its prospects? Is it just animation? Is it not even animation? What are we thinking? I've been different from everyone this year. I've never had Lightyear as my one. Um, it's been my number two. After seeing it, it's no longer my number two. But looking at like the Toy Story track record, because the first two came up before there was an animation category, and the first Toy Story got three nominations. They got screenplay, score, and song, which are three categories. Lightyear, and it won't. should have been nominated for Best Picture. I agree, but all three of those categories are categories Lightyear won't even compete in. It won't even sniff. And then Toy no. Story two got a song nomination. There was no song here, which I was very surprised because I, feel I like thought especially... that there was going to be. Yes. Yeah. Because, like, that's an easy nomination. And obviously, I get, like, 
they don't make these movies for nominations, but it's an easy nomination chance. And also it helps promote the movie and get the movie out there for people to see because well, not the just songs, that, but Oh, sorry. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, usually the songs help bring awareness and also usually like Pixar songs are pretty good. So the fact that one was missing here and like, I mean, turning red had three, four great songs. Soul had great music. Even onward had a song, but for some reason, Lightyear is just missing a song. I mean, Michael Giacchino's score is cool, but it's not anything super memorable. But Toy no. Story 3 is the one that really dominated at the Oscars. It had five nominations and two wins. And then Toy Story 4, obviously, it won an animation and it got a nomination for song. And overall, Toy Story, it's been a king in the animation category when it's been eligible. And overall, all of them have been nominated. So to answer your initial question, Lightyear, I still think it's in the five, but I don't think it's winning. I actually feel different. I do not think that it's in the five. Um, I never had it at my number one. I've always been riding for Pinocchio, um, mm. especially because what we've already talked about, Guillermo del Toro has so much goodwill. Lightyear has been my number two solidly. Um, I think until Turning Red came out and got amazing reviews, then I was like, you know, I looked at the, you know, who was making Lightyear. Because normally if Pixar releases two movies in a year, usually one of them is okay and the other one's really good. And so I was like, okay, if Turning Red is the really good one, Lightyear might be like, it might be onward. Um, and, you know, there is a pattern uh, of, of Disney Pixar movies that are sequels. They're in a beloved franchise or they're the second film of something. Um, and they come in strong. Everyone thinks that they're a huge contender because that movie has had success in the past and then they go nowhere. Uh, this is a pattern that keeps happening. Um, we saw it with Frozen 2. Frozen 2, that's actually something I'm proud about. I called it um, before Oscar nominations that year that Frozen 2 was not going to be nominated for Best Animation. Um, the same thing happened with Finding Dory, uh, where that was a film where everyone, you know, it had decent reviews, not super strong, but everyone thought that it was safe because it's Finding Nemo. Uh, and Monsters University is the other one that did not get nominated. Um, and that's one of the only years I believe that like Pixar has not been uh, like in the conversation at all. Um, and so, you know, I think that Lightyear follows in the tradition of Finding Dory, Monsters University and Frozen 2. It's going to be the movie that people are going to think is happening all year long. And then it's going to get down to the wire and it's not going to happen. And everyone's going to be surprised, even though all the warning signs were there, uh, mostly because Let's just break down the animation category a little bit and uh, meta Metacritic scores, right? So last year, the lowest Metascore was Luca at 71. That was a film that a lot of people thought was like a mediocre Pixar movie. I loved it. I liked it. I liked it. Luca's one of my favorite Pixar lowest. movies. I, it's great. It's great. But it, it was the lowest of the category last year at 71. Year before that, 2020, it's a weird year, but the lowest was 60 at Over the Moon, uh, Over the Moon and 61 was Onward. But 2020, weird year, right? 2019, the lowest is 68 with Missing Link. 2018, lowest is 71 with Ralph Breaks the Internet. 2017, this is this is the, the argument for Lightyear could happen, which is in 2017, the Boss Baby made it with 50 on Metacritic, which I don't think the Boss Baby is that bad. The I'm Boss just gonna Baby say it right is now. really good. I, It's good. It's good. I'm just going to say it. I like the Boss Baby, but I don't like Ferdinand. Um, Ferdinand is, uh, it had a 58. And of course, Lightyear has a 59 right now. So if, uh, if it did get nominated, it would break a trend in the category, um, which is why I, 
you know, I don't think it's going to get nominated, but I think people are going to think that it's going to get nominated. So I'm, I'm saying right now it's not getting nominated, but that could change. And I, I'm one of the people who still has light year end, but I also don't see Disney Pixar taking three of the five slots, especially the year no. so crowded as this. I just want to see more of those movies before I officially remove Lightyear because I have one movie that I think is going to be my ride or die this year, kind of how I was with, with Raya last year. Even though when it came out, people were like, oh, this is too small. It came out too early. I still had it year long as my number five. Stuff, I jumped over it, but it stayed at five. And there's one movie I have like that this year that we'll get into in a little bit. But Lightyear's not going to win unless like everything else flops because – I mean, Disney even has... if even if everything else flops, they already have Turning Red. Turning Red is really, really liked by critics, mm-hmm. and it's liked by kids. Um, and you know, we're going to talk about some of the problems with the animation category in just a little bit. But I think the biggest problem is that voters don't vote for what they like; they vote for what their kids or grandkids like. Um, and I don't that. think Lightyear is going to register with that. Um, I would think it would be Turning Red. Uh, you know, if nothing else came out right now, it would still be turning red. Kids love I, Panda. I, I agree with that. My one reservation with turning red is going to be the whole, it came out on Disney Plus. Like, obviously, yeah. the last few years, that hasn't mattered. And this year, they said, like, it's still eligible. I just know there's some voters who are probably going to be like, this is a streaming movie. We need to not vote for streaming movies. The same reason why Netflix has never won this category, which is something that could be broken. But Disney is just. I really thought they were going to, man. I really thought they were going to with Klaus. They should have with Klaus. They should have, but Toy Story Four, another another Lightyear buzz was in that, and it was just unstoppable. Yeah, but you know what? Why don't we let's stop talking about how we're going to talk about uh, the animation category? Let's just talk about it. Let's let's get into it because we've got a deep dive coming in uh, about the animation category and Disney Pixar's domination over this category. Yes, they've dominated this category ever since it came out and i want to just run down the examples of when they have lost because this category started in 2001 you'll be surprised how many times they have just won because you can count it's also just to just to mention it's worth noting that the reason why this category was created is because chicken run um almost made it into best picture Mm -hmm. uh and the academy went okay we need a category for animated films so that people don't put Chicken Run in Best Picture. Well, shout out Chicken Run for giving us this category because this yeah. is, I think, not just one of my own, but a lot of people's favorite categories every year because it's movies that you grew up with and you've seen over the years and you're always going to check out and seeing them get recognized on a bigger level because yeah. a lot of times this category, maybe song, maybe score, are the only places they show up. But, I mean, this category started in 2001 and Disney Pictures only lost six times. And... Each time they've lost there's a pretty clear reason for why but just hearing those numbers how do you feel about that uh, disgusted because what i what i want to say about this category is it is it's one of my favorite categories but not because of nostalgia not because i i love like the mainstream animated movies because but because this category has a trend of nominating really cool independent films, mm-hmm. really cool independent films, and they lose every time. But like, I always think back to, there was one year, uh, 2015, where I thought that the animation category was better than Best Picture. Um, and it was because Inside Out was nominated, as well as um, Anomalisa, which was Charlie Kaufman's animation, um, as well as The Boy in the World, which was a small independent Brazilian film 
uh, which is brilliant. It's breathtaking. It's so good. Uh, and then also Shaun the Sheep movie and When Marnie Was There, which is Studio Ghibli. Um, and that year, you know, those, there's four independent animated films there. And then what wins? Pixar. And I love yes. Pixar. I love Pixar. But, you know, the thing that breaks my heart with this category is that every year they nominate incredible films and then they go to Disney. Uh, you know, 2013 breaks my heart. The Wind Rises, Hayao Miyazaki. This was his last film at the time. Last film, I say, in air quotes, because it's not his last film. But it loses to Frozen, you know? And I get frustrated with this category. So um, it makes me feel not good to hear that they've only lost six times because Disney uh, does not deserve to dominate this category like this. And crazy enough, they didn't even win the first two years. Disney Pixar had zero wins after two award shows because Shrek just the huge cultural sensation that it was and arguably one of the most iconic animated movies of all time and one of my personal favorites it took down monsters inc which is another beloved classic in the animation field and then in 2002 lilo and stitch and treasure planet were the two disney submissions and they lost out to spirit away which is a very inspired and just great choice because if shrek's the most iconic spirit away is the most positively reviewed movie in the animation category or not even category just animated film of all time and both these years, we see something that really stands out in the category is Disney, they don't always release the best animated movies. And when they don't release something that's at least somewhat liked, it doesn't stand a chance. And even Pixar, Marshall's Inc. is one of those where it's very loved, but it's not one of the, like, if you ask people, Pixar, top five. It's not always going to be in the top five. But both the movies- It's in mine, but, you know, oh. it's- See, that's, that's the, the beauty of animation is there's such a varied scale to it. Um, but yeah, no, I, you're absolutely right. That Shrek is the more iconic film right there. Yes. And what, take, what it takes to take down Pixar and Disney is something iconic that's also positively reviewed. And it also helps a little bit of the Disney or Pixar output isn't like the best because we get to 2005 and 2006 where we have two winners that aren't really regarded as like the best or most iconic of all time with Wallace and Gromit and the Curse of the Were-Rabbit and Happy Feet winning and those years respectively. But I mean, in 05, Disney didn't really bring anything into the table. And 06 had some stuff, but like Cars. But I mean, Cars isn't very like well-reviewed. So Happy Feet is something that isn't really a cultural sensation, but has a big name director attached to it of George Miller, who turned out to be an Oscar darling a few years later. And throughout six years, Disney's only won two in the category. However, after that, that's when stuff really changes because it takes all the way until 2011 five years of Disney winning for its next time to fall when Rango beat Cars 2 and Winnie the Pooh, which, as you said um, in our notes before we talked on the show, was the last hand-drawn Disney movie of all time. And Cars yeah. 2 is arguably the worst Pixar movie of all time. So that could be the reason why Rango came out on top because Rango is a positively reviewed movie, but it's not like super over the top like what it took for the next time for Disney and Pixar yeah. to lose in this category. I also, I just want to clarify as well, Cars 2 and Winnie the Pooh were not nominated there, mm -hmm. um, but those were the movies that Disney Pixar released that year. Um, but Rango really was like, there was no Disney competition for it. Yes. And even when Disney does have stuff to get in the category, and like, like I was saying, Rango isn't like the most like well-reviewed or the most iconic movie of all time, but like, I think really similar to this year with Disney releasing sequels or Pixar releasing sequels with Lightyear. In 2018, they had Incredibles 2 and Ralph Breaks the Internet, a.k.a. Wreck-It Ralph 2. And what took it down? One of the most beloved, one of the most uh, critically acclaimed anime movies of all time, Into the Spider-Verse. 
Yeah, that was undeniable. There was no way anything else could win, really. And that really just showed what it takes to beat Disney in the modern era. Because before Into the Spider-Verse had won, no non-Disney or Pixar animated film had won this category since 2011. Which, as we said, Cars 2 and Winnie the Pooh were the only real competition. They didn't even get nominated. So the last time Disney and Pixar lost when nominated was 2006. Which is wild to me as well. Because every year, every year I convince myself that something can do it. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of the time I love, I love the Disney Pixar films too, you know, but in 2019, I'd convinced myself Klaus can do it. Klaus is going to be the one it's going to take down Toy Story 4, which I liked. I like Toy Story 4 a lot, but I'm so sick of Disney winning that seeing Klaus, which was so different. I was like that, that can do it. That can go all the way. Or in 2020, you know, there were, there were no 2020, actually, sorry. I'm wrong about that. Soul was my favorite movie of 2020. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm fine with them winning there. Take, take it with soul. But Encanto, you know, Encanto, that was not a film that I loved. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was hoping that something would overthrow Encanto last year. Um, and nothing did. I mean, to be fair, the rest of the category outside of Mitchell's versus the Machines was also Disney Pixar. But oh, no, that's, that's Netflix. That's Sony and Netflix. Yes. So like, outside of them, the rest of it was Disney Pixar with like Luca and um ray and the last dragon and uh what was the other one now i'm blanking i'm also blanking but mitchell's still, yeah but still like it's like disney can release just a bunch and no matter what it is they'll find something to win it doesn't have to be the best review because they have something that's just a cultural hit like Encanto, or it could be the best reviewed movie of the year with soul just they always just keep coming out on top and like i said they're 15 of 21 in the category, and they've won nine out of the last 10, with the only outlier being Spider-Verse. So, like, what does it really take to take down Disney and Pixar? Because they're, like, they're the industry juggernaut. And what we found here know. really – You tell me. You tell is me. It's really just, like, it has to be either them competing against each else, themselves to knock it out, whereas, like, a year um, – or just a film that's such a big cultural sensation, such a great movie, whether it's – critical reviews or audience reviews or both it just all of it has to come together for disney to go down and this year really seems like it can be that because like we said Lightyear, very mixed on release turning red has a very good critical rating and is very beloved by its fans but also has the fact that it came out all the way at the beginning of the season and was a straight to streaming release and strange world is possibly suited to be the encanto this year a movie that people weren't really like high on the top of their list but it comes out in the thanksgiving area and just dominates and when it comes out but like we I mean, not light year but strange world as far as we know doesn't have music in it so it may not be able to catch one culturally like Encanto did and netflix is coming with some real strong hitters this year in this category because we've already mentioned guillermo de torres pinocchio because he guillermo is someone who has gotten in for his last two movies in picture one of them even one picture and he has a lot of credibility in the industry, as well as Pinocchio just being a big name where people who may not be on board will still watch it because Pinocchio. They may not know Guillermo's style and be like, oh, it's an anime Pinocchio. I'm down for that. And they also have a um, film by the Coraline director, Henry Selleck, called Wendell and Wild. So they have two really like culturally known directors and very different styles to bring to the table so they could be two very well-reviewed movies as well as very highly watched movies because netflix is a place where almost everyone can watch them because whether you have netflix yourself or your parents or a friend 
you have a way to see it. And we already saw last year the era of streaming not being able to come out top on a film category is over because Apple won picture. So it only makes sense for animation to be next because Netflix has already won documentary. So that leaves the only picture category without a streamer to win being animation because Apple even is bringing some competition to the table this year because they almost had it in 2020 without soul because they have luck and spellbound. And from what I've heard, both of those movies are very, they have a lot of buzz around them. So, I mean, I just listed four contenders right there who could possibly take down Disney Pixar. I know you're riding with Pinocchio, but do you think any of the other three really have a shot? Um, any of the other three? I actually don't, but you missed a Netflix film there, uh, which is uh, My Father's Dragon. Mm -hmm. And My Father's Dragon is from director Nora Twomey, um, who is, uh, she's the director of The Breadwinner, which got nominated in 2017. Um, and it's from the studio Cartoon Saloon, who has never not been nominated. Every movie that they've done has been nominated. Um, except, actually, that's a lie. I forgot about The Prophet, which did not get nominated. But they've been nominated for The Secret of Kells. They've been nominated for Song of the Sea. They've been nominated for Wolfwalkers. They've been nominated for The Breadwinner. And now they're being released by Netflix with My Father's Dragon. Um, so I actually think that I'd put that above Wendell and Wilde. Um, because we already have another spooky... Uh, stop motion movie in the mix with Pinocchio. So, you know, despite Key and Peele being uh, Wendell and Wilde, I actually think that Pinocchio and My Father's Dragon are the two Netflix movies to watch. And there's a few other Netflix movies that we can we can talk about there. Um, as far as Apple goes, though, I don't have uh, a lot of hope for Luck and Spellbound, especially after the trailer of Luck. Um, it looks like it, they're trying to do like a Pixar inside out thing, and it's not working for me. Um, but you know what? I can't pass any judgment about it yet um, because it still could rise to the occasion. Definitely. And I mean, I will admit when I'm wrong, My Father's Dragon's movie, I haven't really even heard about. And But you made a really good point about it from the studio that it came from has a great track record. So that's something when we get into animation predictions later, I will definitely have to take into account. And I, little, I alluded to this earlier, but I think there is a wild card for a nomination that not a lot of people will be talking about, but I think is pretty, I think has a really good shot to get that five spot. And that's the bad guys. It's been interesting. Very, the word of mouth from this movie has been great. It's made a lot of money at the box office. It has a very good, yeah. it had very good legs. Like it didn't open to the most, but it had a lot of staying powers to end up right around a hundred million dollars domestically. And that's great for an animated movie in the pandemic era. And, I mean, they have Rise of Gru from Illumination coming out. But, I mean, the Spookle Me movies have gotten before, so you can't completely count it out. But I don't really think that will get in. But I think Bad Guys definitely can compete for a nomination. And, like, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish is another big-name studio animation movie coming out. The last film got a nomination, so maybe this one can. But I don't have it in my five at the moment. That's, yeah, I actually I do have I, – I have Puss in Boots in my top five uh, for animation. Um, I could talk a little bit about why, um, but I, I think I'll, you know, no, I'll, I'll touch on it now. Uh, Puss in Boots, I, I think that the first film kind of came out of nowhere to get one. You know, it was, it was a Shrek spinoff that suddenly was like actually one of the five nominated, which was a little bit wild. Um, it was one of my favorites of that year too. I thought it was really fun. Um, and it was actually a better Shrek movie than anything except for Shrek 1 and 2, because uh, 3 and 4 are just womp womp garbage um but Puss in Boots The Last Witch the reason why I think it's uh really a contender is because they're switching the animation style uh and it looks like Spider-Verse uh they're going for that sort of comic-y 
vibe to it. Um, and they're going with that low frame rate look, which is really in right now. So I think it's really, uh, it's an exciting film. And I think that for me, that's my number five because I, I cannot justify having three Disney, but I also can't justify having too many uh, independent films, um, which is something I wanna talk about a little bit because this week, uh, as we're recording this right now, the Annecy Animation Festival is going on, uh, which is uh, an animation festival in France. It's the world's premier uh, festival for animated films, uh, which is where a lot of foreign animated contenders are unveiled. Uh, and I've talked about how a lot of my favorites in the category are always the foreign films. Uh, you know, I love films like Boy in the World, which was a film from Brazil, which I believe played at Annecy. Um, and I love films that, you know, kind of come out of nowhere uh, and surprise people with the nomination. Um, and so there's a couple uh, here that I'm really excited about, but the one that I want to put a spotlight on as a potential for a nomination is uh, a French film called Little Nicholas, Happy As Can Be. Uh, now, Little Nicholas, Happy As Can Be is uh, it's a French movie. It played at the Cannes Film Festival. It was the only animated film in the Cannes lineup. Um, and I think that that is, uh, is really a benchmark of this could happen. Uh, we saw this happen with I Lost My Body a few years ago, where it played Cannes, it played Annecy, and it got uh, an animation nomination. Um, so watch out for Little Nicholas. And Netflix also just unveiled um, The Sea Beast, which is by director Chris Miller, uh, who worked on the Shrek movies. Uh, and apparently it's very good. So, you know, there's a lot of animated movies that could enter the conversation. Uh, the real question is what can stay there and what can compete with Pixar and Disney? And you brought up a lot of great points there. I know one of my weaknesses when it comes to this category is definitely the international animated features that come out because you don't really hear about them very much until they're about to get put on whatever streamer or about to get their limited release here domestically. And so those are things I definitely need to take into account going further. But jumping into the uh, predictions here with animated, I know my five is something that is very much currently a work in progress just because there is a lot, like you said, a lot of animated movies this year that have some sort of notoriety because even getting it down to 10 was very hard. But at number one, I have Pinocchio. This has been my number one all season long. And honestly, it probably will stay like this until it comes out. And if it comes out and it's not as good or Strange World turns out to be just amazing, I think Pinocchio is going to stay one until I, I think until nomination morning. And Same here. And I'm, I'm going to say right now, if you out there listening do not have Pinocchio at number one for animation, what's wrong with you? <laughs> what's wrong with you? A, a lot could be wrong. <laughs> I think you don't have <laughs> Pinocchio at number one. I have Strange World at number two right now. It moved up a spot of, yeah. in my most recent ones because I updated this after seeing Lightyear. Turning Red is not number three for me. It also moved up a spot. I have Strange World ahead of Turning Red just because we don't know what Strange World is about. Strange World could be great. It, the, the animation style of that movie seems very good, and it's that Thanksgiving release date, which seems to be a pretty good track record. Yes, Frozen 2 didn't, but last year in Kanto, it won with that release date. And then Light Years moved all the way down to number four for me, but after hearing what you have to say about My Father's Dragon, I think that would be my number four, and Light Years out of my top five, because I had the bad guys at number five. Nice. Okay, I concur. You know, that, that makes sense to me. Now, for me, I don't have... I don't have the bad guys in there, um, but you know, all of that makes sense. I think you have some very strong predictions here. Um, you know, for me, it's a little bit tough at this point because you know, I would love to put in the film that I just mentioned, the French film, uh, Little Nicholas, Happy as Can Be. I don't know how that's gonna be. So 
you know, right now, the only thing I'd change from year five, uh, if you swap out Lightyear with my father's dragon, is I mm -hmm. think I'd put Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, in instead of the bad guys. I, I think that honestly, they can be battling it out because like what you mentioned about Puss in Boots changing up the style and Puss in Boots will have the better release date. I just need to see, I'm a very much, if I see a movie and it fits the criteria, I will rate it higher until something else knocks it out. Because I don't yeah. want to be wrong by like hope predicting something where Puss in Boots easily could get into the five. It easily could be number three or number four in this list. But just because it's so far out from the release date, they did throw a delay on it. This movie's had a lot of production issues over the years because I remember this was supposed to come out four or five years ago and it's coming out now. There could be something that they could not be something of that. I just have a lot of movies. Um, I think the top five is pretty solid right there, especially after everything you had to say about My Father's Dragon with that five spot of The Bad Guys or Puss in Boots 2 or Window and Wild or one of the international competitors that you talked about or even Apollo 10 and a half, which could make a resurgence at the end of the year. It was a very early release, but it is a Netflix movie. And if the rest of Netflix's catalog really underperforms, that's something they can bring back because it has a named director in the director's chair and also could just get a lot of people because of its subject matter. Yeah, I, I think that's very cool. I think you have a very like good, at this point, I think anyone who has a list much different from yours should reevaluate. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I, I think you've got a good grasp of where this category is going. Um, now, uh, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna drop some of my predictions here. Uh, Cause something that we both saw this week um, was Crimes of the Future, the new uh, David Cronenberg film. Um, now this is a weird one. This is uh, Maestro Cronenberg, uh, the master of body horror, his return to his genre, a year after Titan came out, a year after Titan came and kind of blew open the gates of, of body horror and made people interested again. You know, here is the master, the original body horror king uh, coming out with a new movie. Can this make the makeup lineup? Um, you know, I, and I liked the movie. I know you didn't love the movie as much and we might talk about that another time, but I'm gonna just say right now, Crimes of the Future is not a movie that you should be looking at for Oscars. Uh, it is too weird. It is so weird. It is not happening. Uh, if you have this in any of your predictions, take it off, uh, which you probably do know by now because it's been in theaters uh, for a couple of weeks. But if it's still in your predictions in any way, take it off. <laughs> it's not happening. Um, but, you know, I want to talk about the makeup category this week because Crimes of the Future has come out. We've both seen it now. Um, and I'm just going to say, I don't think Crimes of the Future can happen here. If Titan couldn't happen here, I don't think Crimes of the Future can, um, especially because it's going to be much less prestigious. It's going to have a worse release date. Um, but that said, the makeup in this movie is incredible. Uh, there's some amazing things, including a man with ears all over his body, which is so cool. There's a lot of blood and guts that is, it looks really, really well done. Um, but it does not make my makeup five. It doesn't even make my makeup 10. I just have it like an outside shot. Uh, so, you know, I'm going to talk about some, uh, some makeup ideas here. So my number one uh, it remains the Batman. The Batman is the one uh, obviously, I'm kind of like you, Dill, you know, if something's come out and I've seen it and I know it has a shot, I'm going to put it in over something that might, may, or theoretically have a shot. Mm -hmm. So the Batman, we've seen it. We know Colin Farrell has some incredible prosthetics. The stuff that they did for the Penguin is crazy. Um, so that's one that I'm writing out at number one. And I don't see that changing um, unless something really, really 
does something amazing, uh, which I think could be number two. Uh, number two, I've got Darren Aronofsky's The Whale, uh, which is a film about a 600 pound man who is uh, trying to eat himself to death. Uh, it's Brendan Fraser, and apparently they use a lot of prosthetics in this movie, which obviously they would have to because Brendan Fraser is not 600 pounds. Um, and I think that, that this could be a movie that, um, I don't think it's a best picture contender, really. You know, maybe it's an outside contender, but I've read the script. It's not that type of movie in my mind, but I think that it could get an acting nomination for Brendan Fraser, an act uh, supporting actress nomination for Sadie Sink, who is obviously huge in Stranger Things right now. And I also think it's gonna land this makeup nomination. Um, so that's, those are my top two. And I think the whale could overtake uh, if, if uh, it's really, really something special. Number three though, I've got the Whitney Houston biopic, I Wanna Dance With Somebody. Now the reason I have this here is because it seems like a trend that every year we've got some sort of uh, biopic that has prosthetics where some uh, celebrity is transformed into a figure that people really are familiar with. You know, last year we saw it with the eyes of Cami Faye, which won Best Makeup uh, because they transformed Jessica Chastain. Um, and in 2020, I'm really struggling to remember what won that year, but in 2019, it was Bombshell. Uh, Bombshell won for transforming uh, Charlize Theron into Megyn Kelly. Um, who's sure uh, Ma Rainey won in 2020. Ma Rainey, there we go. And Ma Rainey is a real person that they transformed Viola Davis into. Um, and yeah, there's, there's this trend, 2019 bombshell, 2018, we've got Vice, 2017, Darkest Hour. Um, you see that happen a lot. Yes. Uh, and while there's not as big a transformation for Whitney Houston, I still think it's like a Judy level thing and they did make it in for a nomination for Judy. So I'm gonna keep, I wanna dance with somebody in here uh, until I see a trailer. I, I wanna see what they do with the makeup and I think it could be something that could land uh, solidly in the makeup five. Uh, number four. Oh yeah, um, go ahead, go ahead. Just following up on that statement there, that's kind of how I've been looking at this category a lot. My five is a little different than yours, but I have, just because of how stuff lands up in my other categories, I'm a firm believer of what you were talking about, the actress or actor combination, where they get a lead nomination as well as the makeup. So like, I have Elvis in my five. Yeah, and I was going to say, you Rustin. think it's Elvis, right? I have, I have Elvis and Rustin instead of the whale and um, I want to dance with somebody, but I easily could see those being switched. Interesting. Interesting. See, I don't know what they're going to do with Rustin. I'm not too familiar with, uh, with Rustin uh, as, as a historical figure. So I don't know how they're going to change Coleman Domingo. But, you know, I do have Rustin just outside my top 10 right now. Um, but Elvis is one that totally, after I see it next week, that could totally enter my five. I've got it at number six now. Uh, but at number four, I've got Babylon. Uh, Babylon's going to have a lot of hair. It's going to have big hair. Uh, and we saw a few years ago, Mank got this nomination. Um, and I think it's, it's very similar in style to Mank. So um, Babylon is my number four. And number five, I've got everything everywhere all at once. You know I'm riding for this movie. You know I have confidence in this movie. Uh, and there's a lot of makeup in this movie. There's a lot of, they do a lot of like glitter on um, uh, Jobu Tupaki's face, on mm -hmm. Joy's face. Uh, so, you know, I, I think that if that does end up going all the way for Best Picture, which I do think it could, I think that a makeup nomination is easy to go with it. I know you won't like to hear this. I don't have everything everywhere all at once in my 10 at the moment. Um, fair enough. Fair enough. But I have weird picks because I have Blonde in my 10 and I have Don't Worry Darling <laughs> in my 10. 
So those are two movies that probably at the end of the day won't be even in discussion while everything everywhere all at once would be. But that that is just contradicting myself. That's my hope predicting there of yeah. two movies that just let's see what they have. Yeah, something else I want to mention just for makeup is Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Uh, now, I want to mention this because this is a movie that people really thought when Black Panther came out in 2018 that a makeup nomination was going to come with it, and it didn't. Um, and that's one that I think that they should have given that movie a makeup nomination. They did some amazing stuff with the makeup in that movie. Uh, and so I'm really shocked that it didn't get in. But I don't think we can discount Black Panther 2 from getting a makeup nomination. And once we see the trailer, I might slot that into my number five over everything, everywhere, all at once. Well, everything, everywhere, all at once, I know is still your number one for picture. So have you had any other switches since last week? Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, I actually, I thought about what you were saying about women talking and I've moved it up from my number nine slot all the way to number four. Uh, I think that this is one uh, that I, the more I think about it, the more I can see this going all the way. Um, especially because as I was, I was ruminating on a walk one day, I was like, oh, that's going to win best ensemble at SAG, isn't it? And I really believe that. The cast of that movie is incredible. Um, and the script that they've been given is just meat. It's all meat. Uh, you know, I've, I've heard tell of some really powerful scenes. I've heard some, some buzz for, um, for Jesse Buckley. I've heard that the entire movie is just like, you know, it is drama, drama, drama. That is winning SAG. Um, is what I'm calling right now. So if it's winning the SAG Ensemble Award, it should be in my top five for picture. Um, and then I've switched around some things. I've moved Bardo down a little bit because I rewatched uh, in the R2's movie Beautiful this week, which is a film that I'm not really a fan of. And it made me think, you know, is Bardo guaranteed to be amazing? And I don't know about that. So, you know, I, I have it down just one spot because it's still Netflix's main push. I've also moved Don't Worry Darling down from my number four spot to number eight. I think you make some good points that, you know, I have to wait and see. Elvis might be their push. So, uh, you know, Don't Worry Darling is down. Now, I've also switched out my prediction for Empire of Light, which I had as my searchlight contender here. I switched it out for Next Goal Wins, which is also searchlight. I need to have one searchlight in. But, you know, I, I think that what people might want this year is something a little bit more fun. Uh, Empire of Light seems like a very stuffy period drama and Next Goal Wins is a fun Taika Waititi movie. Um, so you know what, I'm, I'm putting it in for now. I'm probably gonna flip flop on this every single week, but for now my number nine is Next Goal Wins. Uh, and my number 10, very controversial. I've uh, swapped Rustin out uh, of my top 10 and in my top 10 now, uh, you guys in the audience are gonna uh, gag when you hear this triangle of sadness the uh, can palm door yeah whoa, oh my god whoa triangle of sadness it's the can palm door winner um i see this as european don't look up uh, i think it's a movie that a lot of people really love which is clear it won the palm door unanimously um which shows that there's clear passion for it uh it might not have the strongest critic reviews but it seems like the type of movie that the artsier, more highbrow branch of the Academy may gravitate towards, especially because it's a European production, it's a European filmmaker. And while we've been seeing in a lot of recent years that there's usually a big European film that gets in with uh, the father 
or not a European film, sorry, I'm going to say an international film because the other contenders that I want to talk about are Drive My Car uh, and Parasite and Roma. Um, there's always a big film that's, you know, international production. And I think mm -hmm. Triangle of Sadness could be that film. Um, so, you know, that's, that's my number 10 slot, mostly because I think it makes it into director. Um, I think that Ruben Ostlund is the, uh, the guy that people are going to rally around. He's going to be this year's uh, Hamaguchi or this year's Thomas Vinterberg. So, you know what, uh, I'm putting it in. It might change uh, sometime soon. I might be seeing it sometime soon, fingers crossed. So um, Triangle of Sadness is my number 10. And you guys can roast me for that. I don't care. I have faith in it. Well, no one can roast you because I had I had Elvis at number five or number six last week, and I think that's a lot we'll more. We'll see. Maybe uh, maybe roastable. that's maybe that happens. Maybe I swap Elvis in next week. We'll see. But I really like your point about next goal wins because as we've seen with the Emmys, people love Ted Lasso, and I've seen a lot of comparisons to say next goal wins is basically a film version of Ted Lasso, just flip flopping the nationalities of the players and the coach so if that's really the case i think next goal wins is a recipe for success especially after the switch of army hammer a lot of people are going to be rallying around that movie similar to the way yeah. they did with the replacement of um kevin spacey and all the money in the world that's that's a good point i hadn't thought about that in a while because and apparently they beefed up will arnett's part for for the movie you know, I think Taika Waititi also has like a good narrative this year in that he's releasing Thor Love and Thunder and then following it up immediately with Next Goal Wins. Um, it could happen. It could happen. Something Searchlight is happening and I don't think it's poor things. Yes, <laughs> I'm it's just not saying poor that things. right now. I will it's be, not poor things. I will not put that on any nomination. I don't care. It's not getting on anything. Yorgos had his favorite, but he, I don't think, is following it up because what I've heard about poor things is not to the level of blonde, but almost there to the level of just yeah. no one's, the Academy is not going to respond to that movie. Yeah, well, you know, I, we'll wrap this up very quickly, but on my point on poor things is that it follows a trend of something we talked about last week, which is directors who have never been Oscar people mm -hmm. uh, who make one Oscar movie and then suddenly people are like, oh, their next thing is an Oscar movie too. You know, uh, Yorgos Lanthimos, like what we said last week with Noah Baumbach, which is Noah Baumbach had never made Oscar contenders before. And then he made Marriage Story, and now everyone's saying White Noise is an Oscar contender. Yorgos Lanthimos has never made Oscar movies. He's made movies that are weird for him. You know, he's made Dogtooth, The, uh, the Lobster, which did get a screenplay nomination, but it didn't get more than that. He's made The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Then he makes The Favorite, which breaks into the Oscar conversation. It's a little bit more conventional. That doesn't mean his next movie will be, and it's not going to be. So, you know... Uh, take poor things off is what I say right now. I I back you up there. Is there anything else we want to get into before we get out of here? Um, no, honestly, I I feel pretty good. You know, anything else? Anything else you want to wrap up with? You know, I mean, we haven't talked about crimes of the future. Uh, I know. Again, you said you really like the score of it. I also like the score of it. Yes, I thought Howard Shore's score was. It's honestly outside the Batman. It's my favorite score of the year. Um. Cool. I think the makeup work in this movie is amazing. I really like the tone of the movie. I like I like all the technical stuff. I just really was having trouble with the story and following and knowing exactly what is really going on. Because I don't really want to get into details because I'm a big believer of even if someone tells you they don't like a movie, if you have interest in a movie, still go see it. So Because yeah. everyone has different opinions. You like the movie a lot. I'm a little bit more mixed on it. I saw three movies last week and all the movies I would give between a – a low six to a high or to a mid seven 
And that falls into that category as well, where there's certain things I really like about the movie. I like the costume design work too. I thought Viggo Mortensen's character had a lot of interesting outfits, which they, they weren't like crazy, but like they just worked. But there was other stuff where there was certain storylines I really just could not grasp and certain performances I just was not really on board for. Now, one last thing I want to ask about, because we've talked a lot about uh, Pinocchio this week. Do you think that there's a chance that Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio could end up being the fourth animated Best Picture nominee of all time? You know, I think there is a shot, but to hold the viewers out, I think that's something that we should dive into next week when we go over our updated Best Picture nominations after seeing Elvis, because who knows, an open slot could come up or a slot could be taken away in each of our respective categories after getting a full grasp on the movie. Um, But the same spiel as last week to everyone. We've loved having you here. Listen to us. Make sure to go follow everything. Keep up to date because we're going to come out with these every week all the way up into Oscar season. And there, who knows, we could go up to two a week. Things could get crazy. Who knows? It might get a little, it might get a little wild around here. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So there's this stuff to talk about every week. You may think, oh, the Oscars aren't until, I guess they're moved up a little bit this year in March, but still. Yeah. Um, there's something to talk about every week, whether it's movie news, whether it's a new release. And even weeks when maybe there's not a huge release, we'll find something to talk about because we have hot takes ourselves. There's people out there who will not agree with everything we say. And that's, that's the fun of all this is because you yeah. get to – you other people's perspectives and you can call them dumb when they're wrong. Please, please call me dumb. Please destroy me. <laughs> yes. Destroy okay. us. Yeah. Now. Um, awesome. It's been great talking to you, Dylan. And we hope you guys join us next week for some uh, hot takes on Elvis. Exactly. I know we'll have a little bit of discussion about former uh, biopic musical type movies that we both yes. maybe don't align there. So this will be a really <laughs> good discussion. So yes, come back next week. Every Sunday we'll have a new episode out. But until then, we've had a blast. I'm Dylan. And I'm Matt. And this is Fancy Film Ball. Uh, this is Fancy Film Ball. And thank you for tuning to this episode of Fancy Film Ball with Matt and Dill. Keep up to date with us on Twitter at FFilmBall. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. We even upload a video format of the podcast to YouTube if you want to see our faces. Thank you for listening to this episode of the show, and come back next week.